0: morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to another episode of the Blacksmith's Furnace with me, Robert. Just me, Robert, today with two very special guests, one a bit more special than the other. We have Simi. Hi. Simi is a long time, who are you? Standing. Standing. <laughs> <laughs> Backup replacement. Wow. Member of the Furnace. That. Thank you for joining us. And we also have a very special guest with us today. Um, Captain Matt Moore. Jeez. the other half of the our pastor in Duo here at Southwark Salvation Army, husband to Emma, who's been on here a while ago now. Welcome, Matt. Thank you. Thank you for coming down to the podcast. You're welcome. Great. Nice to be here. All right. So, I think we'll start with sorry, not sorry, and then we'll find out a bit more about you, and then we'll go sure. into the topic for today. So, um, hot seat question for today Can you very briefly, but well, <laughs> 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 describe the Trinity. How the Trinity can be three different parts, but still be one.
1: Wow, you're deep. He's Oh, you're asking me? Yeah.
2: <laughs> oh, I thought we were going to ask both. Um, very briefly, in the most basic form, how I would probably describe it to my daughter or son would be that I, uh, being the Trinity is a little bit like me, not in the way that I think I'm God, but the way that I, there are three essence to who I am. I'm Matthew, the father, to my children. I'm Matthew, the husband, to Emma. But I'm also Matthew, the son, to my parents. So mm. all equally the same, but I relate to those three dynamics quite differently. Ooh. Okay.
0: That was very nice. <laughs> Thank you.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that, was very, that was very
0: brief, very concise. Ooh, Peter did give me a question to ask you. Okay. Um, was your favourite Furnace member?
2: My favourite Furnace member? Yes. Um, so far, I would have to say my wife, Emma, uh, although she's not officially <laughs> <at> a Furnace <laughs> member. I think Peter's very insightful, but I like the dynamic of how you all get together and share stories. And so I, I probably don't really have so it's, a favourite. So it's Peter then? It's similar. It, like <laughs> it Peter. It like Peter. <laughs> it could be Peter. Well, I, I think it, Bobby, you're pretty interesting. I like hearing your perspectives. Thank you. Yeah. Damn, it's still Peter <laughs> Anyway Yeah so So
0: for those who don't know Matt is a very long time listener Of the podcast He listens He gives comments And it's really great to, to know that my pastor Listens in So I'm very careful about what I say
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> Yes it's very informative Into the life of Bobby dun, dun, dun. Or right. Robert has Robert The listeners What's would really know you, you as My government
0: Cool <laughs> Alright So before we get into our Today's topic Let's learn a bit more About Matt's So Emma's first generation Salvation Army. Right. And I think you're a bit more than first generation.
2: Yeah, multiple generation Salvation Army. Do you know how many? Uh, No, not really. But um, my great grandparents were Salvation Army officers. So that would go back quite a number of years.
0: And did you feel like becoming an officer was something that was just destined to happen to you because of your family background? No.
2: In fact, I didn't want it to happen to me, uh, and I was quite vocal about that in my naive years as a follower of Jesus, telling God that I didn't want to be a Salvation Army officer, mainly because every Salvation Army officer or every minister I knew at the time was very uncool and quite old, and I I thought you had to be that kind of old person in order to be the one up the front doing the sermons and leading the church. and. Mm. And so when I was uh, about 14 or 15 and I felt a very strong call from God that I was going to be a Salvation Army minister, an officer, I was very hesitant and didn't like it at all.
0: And then how long between you hearing that did it take for you to actually go and become an officer?
2: Um, So probably 10 years. Yeah. A- and have you
0: been in any other work outside of being yep. an officer?
2: Yeah. So I have done a couple of things. I Since being called as we call it in the Salvation Army, this idea of being called to to be a minister, to be an officer. Since feeling that quite strongly at a 14, 15-year-old, I knew that that's what I was going to eventually do. So I didn't end up going to university. I didn't go to other streams of work because I knew ultimately I was going to come into full-time ministry. So when I left high school, I continued working at McDonald's where I was working well, I was at high school. And then not long after that, I went and worked for a company uh, as a technical support officer, servicing a fleet of 100 vehicles and building uh, racks for the back of utes and signage for a traffic control company. And after that, then I went and did a discipleship course, which was nine months, like a DTS. And after that, I felt like I wanted to work at that school. So then I applied for a job and I became an administrative assistant and teacher at that school. Okay. and then after that i went into training college
0: cool so i think last year there were quite a few young younger cadets weren't there i think there in were, london yeah 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 that came to that came to Southwark. i think that was when i was 19 mm-hmm. yeah um do you think it's important to get some outside life experience before you become an officer like i think back to like like the levites and that was like something that they were born into so they knew if you're Levi if you're born to that clan you kind of have to go and become a priest but now it's a bit different do you think it's important to have outside life experience I probably have a
2: different perspective on that than a lot of other people because although I am a minister I'm still very interested in other things and I still upskill and learn about other things so I get life experience not only in my vocation but also I get it outside of my vocation okay just like any university student or any person entering the workforce as a late teenager, early 20-year-old, they would get life experience doing lots of other things, not just their work. So I would say, yes, it is important, but it doesn't mean you won't get it being in full-time ministry.
0: Mm. Any questions from you, Simi? Oh, Simi and I go to the same church. So, so Matt is both our pastors, just a little.
1: Yay. There. Um, so with the whole, I guess, the training school or training college before you become a minister do you think that it's necessary to have kind of like a rigorous admissions process before you get to the training college or do you think that you know if you really feel like you're called you should just be able to go into the training college become a minister
2: yeah that's a good very very good question so just from a bit of background context in the savage army when someone feels called or compelled to become a minister they would then apply and go through a a process that potentially could take two years of application, which involves interviews and pre-college studies that would involve uh, references, uh, also some training. So having served at our training college and been involved in the training of other ministers, I would say it is important because often through that process, people learn more about themselves, but they also learn more about who God is and what God's actually calling them to. A lot of people want to do the great upfront stuff and almost be the star of the show and think that's what everything is but then when they learn about all the background stuff that happens sometimes the nitty-gritty of what the work is then they realize actually i'm interested in one particular area not the whole ministerial part and parcel if that makes sense so although it's tedious and long the application process it helps clarify for a lot of people what god is calling them to and also gives them some more insight into different avenues where they might be able to specialise in, in ministry going into the future.
1: Yep.
2: Does it make sense? Yeah, makes yep. sense to me. Do you see yourself going into ministry Sammy?
1: No, I don't think so. I think I'm someone that's been a volunteer in ministry since I was a child and I think I definitely like the volunteer aspect of it <laughs> i like the fact that no one can come and hold me to something because that's that's really not what
0: i want to be do. a pastor's wife
1: well if i marry somebody and they happen to be a pastor then
0: no 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 so so if you met someone and they were a pastor yeah you'd be you, you'd be okay being a pastor's wife
1: yeah but the thing is i wouldn't be a pastor's wife i would be married to somebody that's a pastor so that makes you a pastor's wife no, no. a pastor's wife is is an actual vocation that's not what i would be doing i would have my own life my own identity as simi and i would happen to be married to a pastor there's a difference okay so you'd be the wife of
0: a pastor <laughs> <Yep>.
1: yes cool
2: <laughs> cool Or <laughs> well, the pastor would be the white the the husband of world famous simi Selesi. yeah exactly the singer <laughs>
1: would
0: you ever do like a Hillsong kind of thing and like be paid to to like do worship i'd love that but then that's not volunteering anymore then you're there's a paid vacation yeah
1: Technically, yes and no. Some people take it as their full-time work. So people, like in the Hillsong, the people that you know, they are full-time paid musicians and they work for Hillsong. Whereas I wouldn't mind maybe doing one or two paid gigs, but that would not be my everyday thing. I wouldn't just be a a worship singer. No. Mm. No. Okay.
0: One more question to Matt. If you weren't an officer, what would you be doing?
2: My mind would change every week. (laughs) So... Depending what I'm interested in at the moment, uh, I'd like to restore cars, uh, build and restore cars. My ultimate dream would be to be um, a set builder and designer for movie sets, okay. which is something that I've always been interested in, uh, or an actor.
1: I think you'd be a stunt level.
2: I'd <laughs> be very good at falling down a lot. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right, cool. All right, let's get into today's conversation. So, I've been thinking about this. Because I've been I've wanted to get Matt on this for, for ages. I was thinking, what could I talk about with Matt? So, here's what came to me. You thought of something? I thought of something. <laughs> so, let me segue into it. So, if an alien...
1: Oh, my days.
0: ...came, came to the UK, came, came to me and told... And, and asked me what an Australian looks like. Okay. I'd probably point to you. Okay. Why is that? Could you, because you seem to tick a lot of the boxes. Okay. Of what people envision Australians to be.
2: Could, just for clarity, which boxes would they be? <laughs> you surf. I pretend to. I'm very good at falling <laughs> off. Surf. You skate.
0: You've got the long, wavy, luxurious hair. <laughs> um, you've got a didgeridoo. I do. That also just seems very Australian to me, to be honest. Okay.
1: But does he throw shrimp on the barbie? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Fun fact. In Australia, we don't have shrimp. We have prawns. So, yes, we do put prawns on the barbie, but not shrimp. Not
0: shrimp. Okay. And that's what I wanted to talk about today. <laughs> preconceptions and stereotypes. Yeah, stereotypes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, did you have any preconceptions as you made your move from Australia to the UK, coming to be a part? Oh, yeah.
2: Because well? Australia is very much influenced by British culture, being a colony of England back in 1788, uh, essentially when the british came to australia and brought a lot of the, the britishness and so I, I thought because of that when our shared history there would be lots of similarities and very small differences as opposed to when i've worked in the america there's distinctive differences in philosophies and ideas and language and things people eat i thought there would be lots of commonalities in coming particularly coming to london and I was surprised to find there were so many subtle differences of things that don't translate. So words that don't sit well, foods that taste differently. So I had this idea that it was going to be very similar and it wasn't as similar as I thought.
0: Would you say that food is a, is a lot more bland in, in the UK than in, in Australia?
2: Interestingly, cheese and dairy products taste better in the UK. Okay. I think that's partly probably because the dairy cows have more luscious green grass to eat (laughs) as opposed to australia which is currently in drought Uh, some of the foods are blander Um, some of the fruits interestingly don't taste the same they're just different it's not better or worse it's just different like the same fruit tastes different so i think we would have in australia we would have lots of bland foods as well they're just different
0: okay And um, I'm assuming when you found out you were going to come to Southwark church here, you would have been told it was multicultural and Mm -hmm. different. Yep. Did you have any idea of what that looked like before you came? And was that very different from No,
2: not really. In fact, when we Mm. initially found out that we were coming to the UK, in my mind, I assumed you were going to go somewhere like Dibbly, like the (laughs) Vicar of Dibley. Um, Or like where they filmed Heartbeat, you know, because our whole identity uh, at the way that we identify with British culture comes from TV and movies. And so I just assumed everyone was going to be farmers. And yeah. I didn't think we were coming to London. That's so like us. <laughs> we were like Crocodile Dundee, and <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> exactly. It's all stereotypes. <laughs> so when we found out we were coming to Southwark, first of all, we didn't know how to say the word because we would pronounce it Southwalk. Southwalk. But interestingly, we had a friend who used to come along to this church. And so she was able to give us some insight into what the church dynamic was like, but I wasn't anticipating it to be so diverse and so intercultural in terms of people's background, culture, people's age. Uh, so that's quite insightful.
0: And have you found navigating all these different cultures within the church?
2: It's been interesting. It's been really insightful. I very, I'm very, i very interested in learning about other cultures, and I'm interested in what people's viewpoints on the world is and how they talk and speak and family dynamics, and so that I've really enjoyed I've got myself into trouble a few times on saying things or thinking things that weren't necessarily culturally appropriate, just like people have done the same for us. So in Australia, being a a Salvation Army officer or a minister in a church, I was never, ever referred to by my title as captain. However, coming to Southwark, all of a sudden everyone was calling me captain because there's a reverence for that position for that office. And so they would call me that and I wouldn't respond. And then, one particular gentleman got very offended that I didn't respond and that I told him just to call me Matt. He wasn't very happy. Okay. <laughs> he calls me <laughs> Captain still. <laughs> um, Simi. Yes. um
0: So, I think we both agree that Matt isn't a very stereotypical pastor. Yes. He isn't. Um, do you think that's a good thing? Do you think that's a bad thing?
1: I guess it depends on what your opinion of a stereotypical pastor is. I think... Um, the same way Matt was thinking, like the Vicar of Dibley, or when he was talking about um, him not wanting to be a Salvation Army officer because he f- thought that he had to be old in a certain type of way. I think if that's our stereotypical, p- stereotypical pastor, then definitely, yeah, it's good that he's not like that because it's not necessarily the most um, exciting um, person to be. Uh, but well, I do think pastors need to be exciting, though,
0: or do they just need to be good at <laughs> preaching the word?
1: I think they. They don't necessarily need to be themselves exciting, but they need to be able to stir up that excitement in other people. And I think generally they tend to go hand in hand. So somebody that's, you know, very excited for Christ, that's really passionate about doing God's work. I I feel like they would find it a lot easier to then um, transfer that excitement and passion to the congregation. Okay.
2: Do you have an idea of what a stereotypical pastor would be? Um...
0: I think it depends if I'm thinking about a white pastor or a black pastor. Mm-hmm. If it's a black pastor, I think more along the lines of the Pentecostal, very loud, very shouting. Yeah, sort of person. Um, with a white pastor, probably a bit more reserved, a bit more. Okay. Um, boring. <laughs> not boring. I think like the like two people that, that come to mind straight away would be someone like T D Jakes versus someone like. Tim Keller or Stephen Cole. Um, okay. T. D. Jakes is someone who's all about the energy, all about getting people stirred up. Someone like a Stephen Cole or Tim Keller are very proper and just straight, straight down, down the line. line. And um yeah, I think neither style is better than the other. Okay. I think there is a time and place for both. Maybe not in the extremes of T. D. Jakes, because I think he he can be a bit much. But yeah, a bit of energy is nice every now and again. yeah um yeah yeah, so that's what i think going back to preconceptions how do you as a pastor deal with one preconceptions of what a pastor should be Mm -hmm. and two people's preconceptions of what a christian should be because i feel like people can uh, assume that christians are very docile very loving that that they take er, anything that people dish out of them but if you look at someone like jesus he was in the synagogue, flipping over tables, telling people mm-hmm. you are going to hell, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, sort of thing. So, um, yeah, so, 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 like, how do you battle that preconception?
2: It's a very interesting question because I think we have our own precon- preconceived ideas of what Christians should do and how they should behave, as well, and that can be very dangerous. Mm. Just like we've been talking about what a pastor should be, I think we're, it's very quick for us to put things in a box without understanding people's story or background or history and i think there's an amazing power and transformation of jesus and in the stories of people's transformation is what makes them unique from where they've come from to where they are now so i think for us to say that someone needs to behave a certain way in order for them to belong is not right i think people need to feel a sense of belonging and if there is behavior that needs to change then that that's something that will be worked out. And Jesus does that as not for us to be saying, you need to sit there and do this or that, A, B, and C, and you'll be, you'll be right. So I think we all have our own preconceived ideas of how people should be.
0: Mm.
2: However, if I was talking for myself, I'm more interested in getting to know the person and hearing their story and seeing how every day they're moving closer and closer to Jesus and knowing more and more about Jesus because, in that, I think that's where you see the richness of their relationship.
0: Yeah. Okay. Did that
2: answer the question? It did. Okay. It did. What about you, Simi?
1: I think sometimes it can be quite difficult. I think for me as a person, I found that a lot of the people I end up making friends with happen to be Christians. So to a large extent, I don't get, um, I guess, a lot of the negativity that seems to be permea- permeating the society right now that is towards Christians. Um, what i do see though is this kind of divide between the not so christian christians and the mm-hmm. really christian christians and mm. i think that's how would i put it it's it's quite dangerous
0: because which group do you fall into
1: <laughs> <laughs> just curious what you'd like to know <laughs> i think we have an answer right
0: there <laughs>
2: <laughs> You're
1: welcome. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um I feel like there seems to be this kind of um how would I put it? Where there's one group of Christians that feels like, oh, like no one can judge me and God can judge me. Like I I go to church every Sunday, might pray once in a while, I read my Bible once in a while. I'm a Christian. God loves me the way I am. And then there's another group of Christians. who are like, no, that like you have to be reading the Bible three times a day. You have to be praying all the time. Mm. Only listen to um gospel music. Only watch gospel um shows and um and uh, like go to gospel events. And I feel like each has kind of stereotyped the other in the way that there's like the ones that are really like strong in the word and everything are saying oh no but these these ones are fake Christians, they yeah. still want to live in the world whereas they might just be new baby Christians that haven't really found their root in Jesus and yeah. haven't really realised that actually these things I'm kind of holding on to are pulling me back and stopping me from having a relationship from God that, mm-hmm. a relationship with God that I'm supposed to have and then the people that are on the outside are looking at the ones like oh, strong and they're like oh no they think they're so righteous, they think they're better than me they think that you know they're the they're the only ones that are going to heaven and the rest of us will be left behind with the, with the other religions and the atheists and everything. Um, so I think there needs to be a lot more inclusion um, when it comes to things like that. I think there needs to be a lot less projecting kind of insecurities onto other people. And
0: Okay, so like one stereotype that people like to say is correlation between black people liking chicken
1: what with christians no
0: no 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 christians oh. like chicken <laughs> <laughs> i'm so confused i'm going to i'm going to get okay, back good. to christians Oh, okay but yeah but but like it's 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 like almost like a thing that people believe that black people like chicken they do like chicken they like chicken they, yeah but like everyone likes chicken but for some reason it's yeah, been yeah. it's been directed towards
2: black people that black people like yeah, chicken yeah because at some point in time a majority of people may have liked chicken so then that became the stereotype right yeah. mm.
0: but even though that's the stereotype it's also almost the truth now Mm. if that makes sense so going back to the Christians um, you're, you're talking about how there are these stereotypes of how other people think the other side is but there will be a fraction of those who are actually li- like that mm. so how do you combat stereotypes if that's also a reality of a situation if that makes sense Come again? okay so for example um, you're talking about how um, the pop-up type Christians would say that um are these these, these Christians still want to live in the world? and he said, well actually they, they might they might just be new Christians, but there will be actually be some Christians who still want to live in the world mm. and then on the other side um it'll be the same so like there there will be these preconceptions, but then there'll be a group of people who 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 are like that, mm. so how do you combat the truth that these stereotypes are built upon if that makes sense or is that something that sh- we need
2: to address do you think? Of you. I think we always have stereotype ideas of what Christians should be like and in particular what denominations should be like. You could almost... I, I could say a denomination or a church and people could tell me exactly what they're like. For mm. example, if I said Hillsong, there's something that's associated with Hillsong. Just like if I said if someone went to St. Paul's, people might assume what kind of person would go there. So yeah. I think we, we do have perceptions of what type of people would tend there the difference would be when you actually get to know the people individually and in through a relationship and realize actually there might be a stereotype there but that person doesn't fit in that stereotype there they're different they stand out um, we were talking to someone actually my wife was talking to someone just on the weekend and they were commenting how people often make assumptions about their family because of their particular last name and they said actually we're not. We come from this completely different background. And that was quite insightful because the general perception is that this family is one thing, but actually they're not. They've got a quite a unique and rich story that's contrary to what everyone else believes, if that makes sense. Yeah, makes sense. So I think we do the same sort of thing. We do project our stereotypes. We do project what we think particular Christians should do or behave um Sometimes I get embarrassed about what other Christians do, and I think oh, I'm not part of that group of Christians. I'm this group of Christians, yeah, so yeah th- at the same time, I realize we're just a bunch of people who are trying to know Jesus more and to love God and to love others, and if you get it down to nitty gritty, hopefully there's some commonalities in there that we can break down the stereotypes, yeah,
0: yeah, I think it's important to um remember like especially when it comes to having this kind of conversation with people who have had maybe bad experiences with christians that the point of christianity isn't the christians mm-hmm. it's what jesus did yeah. for us which is why we follow him um yeah, yeah i thought that can get lost and people will just end up just arguing <laughs> for for arguing sake. that's right um yeah so how would how would you um how has your view of view of jesus mo- affected how you try and act as a
2: christian would you say it's constantly affecting it, I think. I think m- some of my views and ideas and things that I've learned over the years have very much evolved my faith to the point where if I had a conversation with myself 10 years ago, I think my 10 years ago self would think I'd probably lost some of my faith mm. because of new ideas or new thinking that's come around, whereas I would say my faith is probably deeper now than it has ever been. Okay just because I think maybe a little bit more fluidly or differently than what I had in the past. So I, I think it's a constant journey. Like we're always moving forward in our relationship with Jesus and he's always teaching us new things and the Holy Spirit's always illuminating new stuff for us. And so we're growing. And if we weren't, I would be worried. Mm. So if I was the same as I was 10 or 20 years ago, then that wouldn't be a good thing for me personally. I know other people are quite comfortable staying where they are, but yeah for me to could you movement. give an
0: example of how your thinking has changed in in that like, like say the past 10 years
2: I'd probably give a lot of examples Uh I okay one classic example would be that I probably was of the opinion that if people stopped attending church that they were having uh, issues with their faith that were negative mm. um, some people would say that's backsliding or people had said I'm not interested in going to church anymore because of whatever reason I would probably jump to the same conclusions lots of people would jump to and think oh I need to go visit them or I need to go speak to them because there's a crisis happening and they're losing their faith what I've learned now is actually there may not be a crisis happening that's a negative one it might be a crisis that's a positive one and that is a crisis of faith where they're going deeper in their relationship with Jesus and they're questioning some of the symbolism of the church or why are we going to church or they might be just wrestling with something that's been said of the church that is causing them to go deeper in their faith yeah so it's not necessarily a bad thing if people aren't attending regularly they might just be contemplating other avenues of engaging with spirituality um or engaging in their own personal journey as a disciple of jesus that may not be the typical sunday attendance they might might be doing something different
0: okay um Another preconception people have when it comes to Christi- Christianity is this notion of pastor's kids mm-hmm. and how a lot of them can end up just going off and doing like reckless wild things um, as a result of their, um, their parents' jobs. Like a rebellion against them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow, wow, wow. Um, as a father yourself, is that something you worry about? And if it is, what steps are you taking to
2: make sure that doesn't happen with your children? Uh, I haven't really thought about it too deeply. So my children are uh, eight and six. I have no doubt that one or both of them will be a little bit rebellious and try some things that they probably want to push the boundaries on. As a result of you guys being pastors or just them being kids in general? Uh, Probably both. I think what I would want to steal into my children is a sense of curiosity but also a sense of there are consequences for every choice they make. Mm. And if they make a bad choice, that doesn't mean that it has to be bad forever. They just learn from that choice. They got to learn with the consequences, but they've got to learn and hopefully not make that mistake. Just like I make poor choices and sometimes I rebel against things and push back against things. So I'm not necessarily worried. My concern would be if I ever created a space where they ever felt like they were not welcome, or they can never talk to Emma and myself about whatever it is they're facing. Mm. Were your parents officers? No.
0: But they were Salvationists?
2: They were, yeah. Cool.
0: Could you share maybe a struggle of being a pastor?
2: Yeah, an easy one. Okay. So just talking about our children, I think because this is very fresh. Sometimes my kids don't want to go to church. Mm. And because it's our role and it's our job, Unfortunately, they don't have a choice in that. And I'm not saying that other kids do, but we know very well that sometimes if our kids don't want to go to church, we have to drag them along regardless whether they want to be there or not. Mm. And that's a hard thing to do. The other thing that's a struggle for a pastor is that church work is your job. And so when you have holidays, whereas other people who have normal vocations, they might do church work on holidays when a pastor or a minister has holidays, you've almost got to separate and differentiate and say, no, I can't do the church stuff because I need to have a holiday from my job. Yeah. If that makes sense. sense. So it's a very gray area in terms of what do you do because it's your job and what do you do because you volunteer for the church and what do you do because you feel passionate about that for the church or the ministry. So to create those boundaries is very important and we're not very good at it.
0: Um, I assume it's not very easy at all.
2: No. Sometimes it can be easy. Sometimes it can be extremely mm. difficult.
0: Sima, you're a pastor's child, aren't you? Yes, I am. Mm. How has how is, how is being a child or past pastor affected your life, would you say? Um,
1: I don't think that much. Of course you will. <laughs> <laughs> I think the whole pastor's kid scenario, I think it's a stereotype.
0: Do you think it's untrue?
1: I... To a large extent... I don't think it's that true, and the reason I would say that is because I feel that as a pastor your or as a pastor's kid, your parent is obviously held in high regard, mm-hmm. they expect you to behave a certain way because you're a pastor's kid, but I also feel that, for instance, I'm an African child as well that the, the standards I was held to, I would have been held to them anyway, just because my parents are African and they have a certain idea of the way I should look, the way I should behave, the way I should act, the way I should, like the kind of career I choose and things like that.
0: You should get a husband.
1: <laughs> so I, I don't feel that it's because I'm a pastor's kid that they treated me the way I was treated. I think it's it's generally because i grew up in a strict african household i do think that if you're in a i guess in a culture that's not as strict so i know obviously in london in the uk the culture is definitely not as strict as an african um household so in that kind of culture where you know that your friends are going out they're getting drunk they're doing what they like, they're telling their parents to shut up, or, they're, <laughs> or they're, they're, they're like taking drugs or their parents are buying them alcohol when they're underage, you might then think, oh wow, look at all these things I'm missing out on.
2: Yeah.
1: Because I'm in a strict household and then you rebel and you do all the things that um, you're not supposed to and everyone's looking at you because you're a pastor's kid. And they say, oh, there you go, another pastor's kid going out on the rails. When really a lot of, like their peers are doing the same thing. It's just that you, you expect more from them because they're a pastor's kid.
2: Yeah, because they're up front and in the spotlight almost. Mm. And I would say as well that a majority of the congregation would know who the pastor's kids were, mm. whereas they may not know who the other kids are.
0: Yeah. I don't know if some of the kids are allowed
2: to a couple. audio couple. Um, talking
0: about being in the spotlight, um, how do you feel how, how do you deal with being a pastor on those days when maybe your faith isn't as strong as you feel it should be?
2: Yeah, it's a challenge. Depends what it is. There are some things where, look, if I'm having a bad mental health day and I, I just know that I'm not traveling very well, to then have to try and give guidance or help someone who's facing a similar sort of day is hugely challenging because often they're looking for just some guidance, not necessarily answers because I can't give them answers, though. but for guidance, I find that a real struggle. Or if I'm having a crisis of faith, or even if I have I struggle with someone's uh, belief about a particular thing, I've got to be very careful how I have that conversation. Mm. So in those moments, I try and ask them lots of questions rather than giving them any sort of answers in in more of a coaching type role in a curiosity type role do you ever feel like it would be justifiable
0: for yourself to if you like if you just woke up on a Sunday morning just didn't just just didn't really feel like it would be justifiable for you to not go to church that day or do you think you have to regardless because you are the pastor
2: yeah I think there is a responsibility there for the vocation however there are m- many people who are pastors or ministers who would f- uh, face that as a reality every day. Mm. So until I've actually been in that situation, realistically, I don't know if I can comment. Like there are days where I just wake up and I think I'd rather just stay home, mm. but it's not, not to the extreme of, I just don't want to go and I never want to go again. It's more so I just would rather stay mm-hmm. at home and I think play video games. It's
1: like a normal job. If, you woke up tomorrow yeah. and you were like oh I don't feel like going to work would you not go to work no <laughs>
0: <laughs> we get duvet days so, so like I can call in before 10 o'clock and say actually I'm, I'm not going to yeah that's,
1: that's different I'm how saying many of them
0: do you get we get five a year okay five so year, you've used
1: day. all your duvet days you've used all your sick days you've used all your annual leave and you're like you know what today I don't feel like going into work you don't just stay at home do you yeah, I'll say I've got a stomach <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> if you're an Australian we would call that chucking a sickie
0: Yes, you said that before.
2: (laughs) Chucking a -a (laughs) ticket It usually happens on a Monday or a Friday. Mm. You just chuck a (laughs) city so you can have a long weekend.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What about you, Simi? When you're having crises or faith, if you do, um, do you feel it's better to stay at home during those days or do you think it's beneficial to come out and be be around other Christians to help bolster yourself?
1: Well, Um, yeah, I've had quite a few crises of faith. And I don't think there's any one way to approach it. I think sometimes you feel like you want to isolate yourself. You don't really want to be around people because you know that they're all going to be happy and like excited about things going on in their life. And you're not really feeling that. And you don't want to be around people Mm -hmm. like that. And then sometimes you feel that you just need that kind of just that fellowship, that feeling of fellowship. You go to church and you can feel like kind of the love, even if it's not necessarily directed at you, just that kind of brotherhood and that kind of, um, that, that feeling that you get when you're amidst in the midst of people and that can help. So I think no situation is the same and everyone has to be like taken as it comes. Okay.
2: That's a very good answer.
0: <laughs> very good. Okay, one last question for Matt. Um, so Sim and I are both in your congregation. How could we better support you uh, as our pastor?
2: Oh. Honestly, I think you guys are already quite supportive. In fact, there's quite a number of people within the church who are very supportive, who are interested in who we are. One thing that's important for me is that people are interested in not only who I am because I'm the minister, but who I am in as a person Mm. and also who my family is. And so those who take interest in my kids mean a lot. Uh, Those who we can call on to support because... We're obviously from another country and we have no family here. And initially we didn't know anybody. And so those who we could call on and say, look, we're, we're having a bit of a crisis here. We need someone to help out with this situation or um, I've got to go this way and we need someone to help pick up the kids or whatever. Things like that, just the practical things yeah. are probably the most supportive when we invite them to be, Yeah. as opposed to someone who's saying, oh, I'm going to come and bring you this and do you this, which is very, very nice. But sometimes that's just not what you need at the time. Yeah. Mm. So I think just sometimes the knowing that people are available, but also that having the relationship where they could say no to us as well if we said, yeah. "Oh, could you come and do this for us?" and they said, "Actually, I can't, but this other person could."
0: That makes sense. Yeah. Mm. Cool. Anyway, you feel like you, you could support Matt better than me?
1: Well, I think I'm quite awesome already. But um. <laughs> she says very humbly. <laughs> Um, I don't know. One thing I realized, so I was speaking to Matt's wife, Emma, on Sunday after church. And during our conversation, one thing I realized is that pastors are humans too. And I feel like that's something the congregation just totally forgets. Mm -hmm. And like pastors have like the days when they're up and days when they're down and days when they're not that happy. And, um so i feel like maybe one thing that i and other congregation members could do is just kind of check in more often mm-hmm. and say how are you like what's happening yeah need to talk about anything need to do anything for you need me to help like maybe organize the chairs before church or stuff like that so i think that's something that i maybe could do more okay and you too robert
0: <laughs> What. You'll do that for me as well?
1: No. <laughs> We're going to put Bobby's <laughs> chairs out. Simi's
2: going to turn up at your house and put your dining room chairs out <laughs> for you. Well,
0: you're asking what, 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 what I think I could do.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I think, and something I've talked to you about us doing, maybe taking your kids out, so you and Emma can have just have some time to yourselves. Mm-hmm. Well, we need to work out yeah. the logistics. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah cinema trip. Yeah, we do anything. Okay. We go to the park. Hey, what's well, on the podcast? And I were held accountable. <laughs> yeah,
2: I'll get my daughter to listen to it so she can then remind you every moment of every day. Okay.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Um. She's. Not, yeah. She, she was asking on, on
2: on on Sunday when we can go out to <laughs> the lunch. Oh today. yeah. Oh, I think <laughs> we were gonna say she was asking when she can be on the podcast.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm, that, that would means. be interesting.
0: We should do it sometime. Yeah. Okay. We'll sort that out. Cool um Thank you guys for being on the podcast. Thank you for it's having me. It's been great. Can we do hookups? I know I forgot to mention hookups. Well, hookups. Do you have anything you'd like to share with the listeners that you might think that they find interesting or something? Okay, watch what I'm thinking. Let me go first. Okay, so I don't even know what hookups going to be. I know actually. I know what it's going to be. um I'm going to amend.
1: Recommend. You're gonna recommend. I'm gonna
0: recommend. Rec and then mend. Recom- <laughs> <laughs> um, a TV show that's very close to my heart. Catchphrase.
2: No, my dear. As in the game show. The game show. Is that still on?
0: No, I watch it on YouTube every now and again.
2: Are oh, you for repeats? Yeah. What? Well, go on YouTube.
0: Watch catchphrase. Um, it's a c- it's a competition where they put pictures up of like sc- catchphrases and TV shows and stuff. You have to guess what it is. Say what you see. It's a really great show. It's really helped me with my poetry over the years, just making that that um connection between metaphors and stuff. So yeah. Go and watch catchphrase. It's great. Anyone else?
1: Okay, so I'm not sure if this counts as a hookup. Or I'm not sure that this counts as a hookup but there is currently a hurricane going towards the east coast of Florida. Okay. And it's caused millions of dollars of damage and it's started killing people so just prayers out to the people in those areas would be nice that can be hook up okay
0: hooking up the people with prayers yes yeah cool
2: um, I've got a few things that I could recommend. Okay. Uh, one, if you're interested in podcasts, not that I'm trying to offer <laughs> competition, <laughs> <laughs> but there's a, a bloke by the name of Destin Stanlin who runs a YouTube channel called smarter every day, but he also has a podcast called no dumb questions. And often he has guests on there and they wrestle with questions sometimes about faith, uh, sometimes about life, uh, physics and engineering and things. Very, very interesting. Uh, similarly i'm quite a big fan of ted talks i okay. learn weird and wonderful things by listening to or watching ted talks which i quite enjoy particularly about subjects i've never heard of or things i've never been interested in before so that would be my two and cool. youtube videos
0: great thank you for that thank you once again guys um let me do my intro things um shout out to rude for the intro outro music cameron turner for the ordinary amazing logo you can find us at soundcloud.com forward slash blackness for the apostrophe on all good podcasts and websites and apps including itunes and spotify blackness for with an apostrophe twitter at the Friends uk email address tbestfence or hotmail.com i think that is everything yeah cool How the blazes do you memorize that?
1: Do people actually like hear you when (laughs) when you're saying all of that?
0: We've we've had emails in the past, so yeah. (laughs) To to (laughs) ask what
2: they're saying.
0: No, no. we've had people like leave comments and and emails and stuff. Do you
2: ever just say, just Google Blacksmith's (laughs) furnace and follow all the links?
0: I've never tried that, so I don't know if if, if we'll be the first people. I'm (laughs) going to try. (laughs) But yeah, thank you again, guys. Thank Uh, you for having me. Thank you, Simi. You're welcome. For being the re-up. I don't think that's, that's that's the right term. That's, that's not how you re re up. Anyway. <laughs> um this is black says further sided out. Blah. Blah
1: blah blah.